0: And now, live. It's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick.
1: Out of the gate, hour number two on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. What a night last night. One of the greatest nights of my life with sports in Vegas. I can tell you that. We're brought to you by Grimaldi's. Best pizza I've ever had. Five locations in the Valley. We'll give away $50 Grimaldi gift cards this week. But you got to bring your A game as we get going. Mark Chinook, kind enough to join us. In-game. In-game host. What a job he does. Incredible. He'll join us in a minute. And then we have the John Gruden press conference That we're going to take coming up here in a moment here. That sounds good to me. That's what we do after a victory or a loss. We talk about it for a day. We get everybody to talk about their feelings, their emotions. But last night, to me, is a cause for a celebration today. Everybody should be really fired up about the opportunity to talk about that experience and the way you rank it all time in Vegas, how you rank it as a fan. And I think it's one of the greatest ever ever sports moments in Vegas on top of the fact that it was one of the greatest Monday night games ever for an opener. Monday night games are supposed to mean something. It's the only game on television, the only game that night. And for the Raiders to come back from the dead, down 14 nothing, and win that game and almost lose the game and win it again in overtime, it's tremendous. And if they would have lost a game, it would have been one of the worst losses that we've ever seen ever seen if they would have lost that game, period. So I don't know what to tell you about it, but I can tell you this, that it's going to take a while for it to sink in. A while for it to sink in. We're trying to come up with a name for the game, if you have a cool name that describes what that game meant historically. And if the Raiders would have lost a game, I know I brought that up a bunch, but that was really the theme of the offseason, on how badly the Raiders are getting beat up by the media. All the time. Beat up, beat up, beat up. I don't know what the media would have done to the Raiders today. I don't understand. I, I don't know. I don't even think I know, and I'm on the front lines of this, of what the media would have did to the Raiders today. They would have kicked them in the gut all day long and mocked them and made fun of them for being a choke team and a team that can't win the big one and a team that rips defeat from the jaws of victory. That wasn't the case. Mark Chinook was great last night with Sibley Skulls. They were the in house entertainment. And once again he proves how to get the crowd excited. Mark, thanks for coming on and you you had multiple times to get the crowd into that game, especially when they were down fourteen nothing early. How are you, buddy?
2: Hey man, thanks for having me on. I'm still uh I'm still reeling from last night. I don't think it's really set in yet what we've what we've been uh, a part of. You know, it was truly a special, magical night and I'm just sitting here going, what what happened?
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it was really one of those games that you, you look at what happened after Edwards looked like he scored. You saw the Raven players hugging the Raiders, getting off the field, and literally walking to the tunnel, told they have to come back. It's first and goal at the half-yard line, and the Raiders start going backwards, then throw an interception. I thought they were going to lose. I've been saying that, honestly, the whole night. I was rooting harder for them than ever. But I didn't think they could recover from that with Lamar Jackson – And he fumbled again, and they won the game. I can't believe it.
2: Yeah, I don't think we'll ever see a game like that Uh, again. You know, it was it was so wacky and so just it was a surreal experience. But you know, going back to being down fourteen nothing, you know, I was sitting with Fred and Jim getting ready to do this amazing alumni hit, Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, we score a touchdown. So the timing was perfect. We put those guys on the screen. The building goes insane. (laughs) And uh, you know it, we we needed moments like that, uh, and it just shows you the impact of sixty five thousand fans and the uh, the impact they can have on the outcome of a game. And you know Carr talked about it in his press conference. He was like, "Man, you know Vegas brings it," and uh, it, it's true. You know we we sort of willed willed them a little bit, if you will. You know, no pun intended. Uh, we were down. We got loud. Uh, we got to teach our, our our base a little bit that they need to be quiet when we're on
1: offense.
2: <laughs> we'll get there, uh, but you know, we when we were loud and when when we were needed to be loud, we were there, and uh, I think it I think it helped. I really do.
1: Mark Chinook is our guest from Top Rank Boxing to the Golden Knights, getting crowds fired up. What'd you learn about the stadium last night? I did the pregame at the Torch. It was insanity. There was, was a sea of humanity hours before the game. And then every time my wife and I and my son looked up at you on the big screen there, you're moving around to different parts of the stadium, getting to know the venue. What's it like?
2: You know, if I was a Fitbit guy, <laughs> I'd probably have 30,000 steps on my wrist. Uh, I don't wear a watch like that, so I have no idea how many steps I took. But it's a massive place. It's a gorgeous place, and every time you turn a corner, there's something new to explore and and learn. Uh, I'm I'm so excited for our fans to sort of experience Allegiant Stadium. You turn a corner and there's Super Bowl trophies in front of you. You walk down a different hall, there's incredible artwork. You turn another hall, there's our Hall of Famers and the history of the players, and it, it's it's such a special stadium uh, that. I, you know, I've only been in it a few times now, but every time I'm there and I'm 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 running to go and do a hit in a certain section, I, I'm catching myself with my head on a swivel turn and going, What did I just walk past? I don't I don't I don't ever remember being here. Um, it's truly a special, magical place to watch a football game and uh, you know, I, I was able to say hello to Mark Davis, our owner after the game and, and he just gave me a big hug and, and shook his head with a big grin and said, I think we're gonna have fun in here. And I said, I think you're right, sir. We're going to have a lot of fun in here.
1: Mark Chinook, as we wrap it up, you know, the two short – Ice Cube, when we saw Ice Cube perform there at the end, I looked up and caught that, and I was like, this sounds good. I know people were trying to figure out Garth, and you're in the music industry. Garth, where were they sitting? Did it sound right? I loved Guns N' Roses. I thought it was a great rock show. Wolfgang Van Halen, it sounded good, but last night it, feel like, it felt like the Raiders really dialed in the sound. What was it like for you with the earpiece, hearing how loud it could get at times before and after you grabbed the microphone?
2: Yeah, I you know it. The place is designed for football first and foremost, so I think we saw it at its at its uh, top level last night. You know, it's it's a football stadium. It's not a it's not a concert venue, and so the, yeah, they're going to work out some kinks over time, making those the the audio for concerts better and better each time out. But we saw the building in full force for what it was designed to do, and uh, man, it was a plus all the way. And to get a win like that on Monday Night Football with the world watching. It's something that I'm going to carry with me for a long time to come.
1: Yeah, finally, that's why I wanted to have you on. I'm happy you got right back to me because you're, you've are you been in this town for a while. I've been here a long time. That was that special. I mean, there are big events in this town from boxing to hockey to the rodeo, uh, European soccer when they come here. It's going to be insane. UFC, Dana White, the Bruce, Bruce Buffer kickoff was fantastic. But you were a part of history. Did you go home last night and just sit back and go, man, I mean, you've done big events before, but that's got to be one of the biggest of your life with a crowd that big.
2: Yeah, it's like I said when we started the call just now. This is something I don't think has set in yet. Um, you know, every time I turn on the news and Sports Center, and you're like, "Hey, I was there." They're still talking about it right now. At Tuesday at 1 o'clock, <laughs> they're still talking Monday Night Football, like the ball bouncing off a helmet with an interception and we're just deflated. We're thinking, oh my god, this is it, it's over, we're done. And to pull it off like we did, and you know, I just, like I said, I'm a kid in a candy store and it is just an unreal experience. I'm so grateful to be a part of Silver and Black and uh, be a part of Raider Nation and get these fans going. It doesn't take much, man. The Raider Nation fan base is a special group of fans and you know, I'm, I'm honored to play a small role and and keep keep building what we're uh, we're working towards.
1: Thanks, Mark. I'll see you soon. Take care, buddy. All right. Thank you. You got it, Mark Chinook In game. With Sibley Scholes, they did a nice job last night. First time he's there working a big game. Uh, we're going to take John Gruden in a moment. Tommy White's going to call in. I just heard from Tommy White from the 872 Laborers. And then we have someone from Pro Football Focus at the bottom of the hour. Mike in Staten, Italy, coming off the big game where, hey, Mikey, how about the Raiders on the money line? How about every gambler who didn't believe in the Raiders uh, getting it thrown back at him if you didn't have the Raiders last night? How are you?
3: Uh, doing great, JT. I gave it to you Thursday night and I told you I was taking the ratings on the money line. So, I, you know, I put my money where my mouth was. Hey, watching it from New York, the first game I'm going to go to is uh, on the 26th when they play the Eagles. Uh, just a couple of questions. Hey, JT, the end zone nightclub,
1: how crazy was it during the game? I don't know because I wasn't down there, but after the game, I did the post game show and it was still pumping 45 minutes to an hour afterwards because wow. they got a live DJ. Steve Ioki was in there, you know, Chainsmokers, all those guys are yep. there. So if you have a seat there for that price, there's a live legendary global DJ playing after the game. That's the hook to that wow. lounge.
3: Hey, hey, uh, two more things. Uh, mm. How was the traffic in and out of the stadium, JT? None it for me, Mike.
1: COVID? I got there early. My wife dropped me off at 1030 in the morning, didn't see anything. She said it was easy for her. And that Hacienda walking bridge seemed to work out well. I didn't hear a lot of complaints. The bus service seemed to be on time. So I think life's good.
3: And what about the COVID in place? Everybody was uh, no problem with yeah. that. Everybody was vaxxed up.
1: Yeah, I mean, the place was packed and everybody had their clear pass. So shout hey, out to the Raiders. Hey, Get vaccinated.
3: Thing. Hey, one thing, JT. So I was watching the game, obviously, on Monday Night Football. Mm. Let me tell you, I love the Monday night. I didn't watch the, the Mannings. Levy, and they did an unbelievable. This is the best Monday Night Football team we've had in mm. a long time. It, it, he was excellent. I wanted to leave you on that because I good. know you're a big uh, follower of
1: that. Yep, thanks a lot. I'm good friends with Steve Levy, and he came on our pregame set and was blown away. He's done a lot of big games in his life, and he looked at that pregame set and said, whoa. <laughs> he had a walk there from the broadcast booth and got there in front of a couple of thousand people and fought his way to get to our stage. Uh, he was fantastic. All right, let's go out to Henderson where John Gruden, head coach of the Raiders, is meeting the media.
0: Not getting a full update on the injuries, but uh, we have some guys getting evaluated right now. uh, Last night, as you reflect on it and think about it, how does it feel and and what do you remember from it? Well, I've been watching the Steelers all day. It seems like a a long time ago already. It was a great win for us, a great way to start the season. Proud of our team, our coaches. And at the same time, got a lot of respect for what we have to get done on a short week. We're still trying to get some uh, determination who's going to be available for us this week. So our preparation right now is a little bit cloudy.
4: Is there any concern that some of it could be long-term injuries?
0: Yeah, there is some concern. We've got some guys getting examined. Uh, Gerald McCoy, uh, Denzel Good, Marcus Mariota, to name a few. Uh, we'll have to, have to see the official evaluation here shortly.
4: John, um, obviously uh, the offensive line. There were a lot of changes, and there's some injuries uh, that you're dealing with yesterday. Um, and it's a tough front. They uh, do a lot of different things. Um, how do you feel the offensive line played, and specifically Andre James and, and Alex?
0: Uh, yeah, we were pleased. You know, we uh, have watched the Ravens all throughout the summer and for the last few weeks, and they have their way with a lot of teams. And uh, they did. They're a great defensive team, but we're happy with the initial game of, of our players. I thought Jermaine Illuminor came off the bench, did an unbelievable job for us, given the fact that he just got here. But I thought for the first time out, we did a, did some good things against uh, some challenging looks and, and, and good players. How
5: much of a test are, are the Steelers gonna be for them? It seemed like a big part of their win was the pressure.
0: Yeah, they're going to be a challenge. They obviously have added Sh- Showbert and Melvin Ingram, a couple of really good veteran players to go with T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward. They're well-coached. Keith Butler does a great job. And they, are, they, too, are unorthodox. They, they present a lot of different looks. And um, we have our work cut out for us on a short week. How important was
4: it um, that Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs got into things Um, It was late in the game, but they both stepped up with big plays for their confidence and for the whole scheme of things. How important was that?
0: Yeah, it was important. We've got to get uh, Zay Jones and Willie Sneed more involved as well, uh, not doing a good enough job of that. But um, it was important, and I thought uh, both those kids made big plays in the second half in particular. John, is there there anybody
1: after watching the film that maybe from field level you didn't notice had a really good game?
0: Try not to single out a lot of guys. You know, it was a team win. I thought uh, everybody had a hand in the victory. Kickers, coverage people, offense, defense, special teams. It was a collaborative effort, really.
2: John, in the second half, obviously Derek got into a rhythm and, and like Vinny just said, found the receivers to get the, the outside guys more involved. Seemed like he started off kind of slow and sluggish. Was there anything you kind of put your finger on as to what led to that? And it seemed like there's some chemistry issues too with with Derek. Well, I
0: had a great opening drive. You know, we had a couple holding calls on running plays that put us behind in the down and distance. Then we had a botch center quarterback exchange. Uh, Then we had a a hard count. We were looking for a free play, and uh, they clearly were in the neutral zone. Uh, And Derek threw the ball down the middle late, thinking he had a free play, but they didn't call off sides on baltimore i thought it was clearly offsides but uh, that wasn't out of rhythm that was part of our game plan we were taking a shot for a free play we misfired on a couple throws i thought he was high a couple times uncharacteristically but that's a good defense they can uh present some looks that you can't card up and really rehearse and practice against and they are very talented but uh i give them credit for uh You know, getting through the choppy water there at the beginning and playing great football, I think he completed 20 out of his last 23.
4: Uh, Defensively, two turnovers, three sacks. Got the Ravens off the field nine times out of 12, uh, third down. Uh, Those are things that you've been talking about. Um, How good was it to to see it happen on the field um, that they stepped up in that way?
0: Yeah, it was definitely good. I mean, uh, progress is being made, and hopefully Yannick is, is not as seriously injured as uh, you know he, he possibly can be. We don't know the outcome yet. Losing McCoy is a is a big loss to our leadership network and to our D line. So I was pleased. At the same time, uh, Pittsburgh gives you no reason to rejoice. You got to move on and turn the page. We still have 16 regular season games to go. So we have a long way to long long way to go in this journey.
4: You said that uh, Jonathan Abrams on the cusp of this year. What do you see from him last night <clears throat> when you watch the film?
0: Well, you know what he. Um, showed up big time with some uh, range plays, open field tackling, um, he's in the right spot. He was in a good place emotionally. I liked where his uh, concentration was from a down to down standpoint. I think he's really started to understand this defense, know what his role is in the defense and unleashing his, his, his talent. So I thought a lot of things came together for him last night against a very difficult and unorthodox style of offense. You know, you're not gonna see a lot of teams that play offense like that in this league forward to Pittsburgh. What's your early evaluation on what T.J. to that defense? I mean, you've seen him. I, I'm not going to uh, say anything you don't know or fans don't know. He just He's going to get a huge contract as one of the premier edge rushers in the business. You better account for him or you're in trouble.
5: Basically every player we talked to last night was
2: unanimously just thrilled that it was Zay that caught the, the game winner. What, what makes him such a beloved guy around here and how important is he?
0: <laughs> I think I, I lead the league in, in Zay Jones uh, cheers and chants, and uh, he's just a great kid. He's such a hard-working player. i got to get him on the field more. You know, it's a competitive group of receivers, but uh, he just, uh, he's just such an energy source for us. He finishes everything. He's the first guy in here, the last guy to leave. He's always upbeat and positive, and um, I wish I was Zay Jones.
2: John, heading out east for an early game in a
5: short week, three big things there. Is there things you've learned over your career to maybe help that? Because that's, I mean, it's a clear disadvantage.
0: No, you just try to adapt to the schedule. Do the best you can. We'll try to stay on a normal week's schedule. We'll have Wednesday's practice will be tomorrow. We'll modify it. Obviously, we'll not be in pads and and not do a lot of physical contact this week because uh, of the short week. But we got to get our guys physically ready first, and we got to get familiarized with our opponent second because they're they're an outstanding football team.
4: Uh, Farrell was a uh, scratch yesterday. Um, can you talk about the what?
0: Not really. He's uh, been a- having some back ailments, and um, his time's coming. He'll return to the lineup probably this week. Um, hopefully, he's feeling better and can get back to his form that he had uh, earlier last year, and his, that's his rookie season.
4: The confidence in the kicker, uh, when you have a kicker, you can trust as much as you can trust Carlson. How, how much does it kind of change strategy and make it easier to, to say, okay, let's just
0: go win the game? I probably should let him know a little earlier, I guess. I, uh, I do have a lot of confidence in him. You know, We knew if we got the ball at the 40-yard line, the plus 40, he could wait, uh, make that kick and send it to overtime. And he did it to New Orleans last year in similar fashion. He kicked a long kick to make it a two-possession game. His kickoffs have been great. His field goal accuracy has been great. I think he's a Pro Bowl kicker. He broke Janikowski's scoring record for a reason. Uh, He's a reliable clutch kicker, and he's off to a great start.
1: All right, that's John Gruden, a portion of his press conference. We'll have it all for you on Raider Nation Radio, all of the sound, and John Gruden, look, injuries are a concern. Yannick Ngakwe, Gerald McCoy, Mariota. And What is going on with keeping Mariota healthy? I mean, the guy doesn't play. And how is he not healthy? But again, injuries happen. I I don't get it with him. I don't get what's going on with Mariota not being healthy. I don't get it. They can't get this guy on the field and keep him healthy. To practice, play in the preseason, play preseason games. He has an electric run. Unbelievable run. And now I'm hearing him on the injury report. All right. All right. All right, that's what we'll do. He's on the team. We'll see what happens with him. 702-365-9200, the henderson Hyundai Superstar, Boulder Highway in Henderson. They have the super deals you're looking for. If you need a new vehicle or pre-owned, that's the place to go. Frank loves everyone we send over there. Walks a the lot with them. Best financing team in town. Tommy White from the 872 Laborers and a guest from Pro Football Focus on the game last night. Right here on the flagship, which is 1-0. and Raider Nation Radio.
6: Tyson Williams back as a running back now on this third down and seven. Here is Jackson. Sack. Buried inside the 25 yard line
0: and Mad Max Crosby a lot of people didn't really see us winning that game you know before so you know we hear, we hear everything so we just continue to work and, and put our head down and show up every day with a purpose and I think we did that and you know it's a great start but you know we're worried about Pittsburgh now
1: Mad Max had a hell of a game JT back with you Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus coming up here in about 10 minutes Tommy White from the 872 laborers. Tommy, it was as big as I could imagine. They almost grabbed defeat from the jaws of victory but found a way to win. How was your night last night at Allegiant Stadium? You know, JT,
6: being down on the field, uh, you know, at the very start of when the players were practicing and looking up and seeing all those black jerseys and looking over and seeing the the guys in the black hall, the ultimate fans, and just, I mean, looking around and seeing the amount of Raiders fans uh, cheering and just being there for the first night of, a, of, of the game, first night of the Raiders game. Um, and then to top it off, winning, right? And, I mean, it was it was an ultimate night. The stadium was electrifying. The fans were fantastic. I, I, I think, you know, a lot of people that had some doubts about, you know, bringing the Raiders here, I think last night really changed their mind and, and – uh, Really showed everybody what the true rate of fans from all over the country are
1: about. You know, Tommy, it took a lot to pull that off with the vaccine mandate, as we talked about, to have everybody there with the clear. App to get everybody into alternate screening if they didn't have it. The Hacienda Bridge, everybody getting through the gates there. Uh, the bus service, everything that you and your team did at 872 Laborers to build it. That was a special night. We've been in the building before, but how do you think the building held up at full capacity?
6: Oh, I think the the building's fantastic. You know, um, I was I was down. I was I was trying to get up to you up there by by the torch, um, and and you know just. Stopping by and seeing all all the fans that that noted that 872 was a big part of bringing the Raiders to Las Vegas. They all want to chat and they all want to talk. And uh, I think just the fans love it. I, I mean, just to see the looks on their faces and everybody's just happy. And, and um, I mean, it was an ultimate night for all of us. And and I mean, and and then you know the, the sets that Mark had had up there, right? You mm-hmm. know, I mean, he had Gladys Knight. Uh, ice it, Cube. It, it, the ice Cube, yeah. It was just fantastic.
2: <laughs>
1: Tommy White joins us as we wrap it up. You know, Tommy, it was such an important night. Afterwards, I went out with friends, and you know, this town is good as anybody. The strip was just popping. And it would have been different after a loss. People decide, hey, you know, I'm not going to meet you up for a drink. I can't do it. They lost. I wanna get home. It's a work night. And then they win a game. The way they win the game when the whole city says, This is Vegas. This is what we do. Let's let's step it up and go have a good time.
6: Oh yeah, definitely. And and um, I think a lot of, a lot of the fans are gonna be looking to those uh you know, those that, that was a Monday night game starting at five o'clock at night, right? So you're gonna see when we get in when we get into you know, our daytime games, and we start the games at 1 o'clock, and then we're out of the stadium by 4, 4.30. You're going to see the strip is going to be packed until way into the night. You know, people are going to stick around. Uh, they're not just going to pick up and leave town on Sunday. They're going to stick around. They're going to go out to eat. They're going to have a lot of fun on the strip. And and then, you know, back to work as usual on Monday. Um, well, probably back to work on Tuesday. <laughs> Most people are going to be taking the Mondays off, right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, JT, being there last night, I mean, I've been to several events at the stadium already. I was at the practice. I was at the preseasons. Um, but being there at the game and looking over at, at Mark Davis and, and just looking at, at the, the, uh, the, the people that I had in, in our area, um, it was just fantastic. Just to see the looks on their face and how many people were just complimenting on the stadium and then watching the Raiders come out. And hearing the crowds here, um, I don't know, there's, there's, in my lifetime, there's probably not going to be another day like that.
1: I agree. That's why we wanted to have you on for the recap. Thanks for your sponsorship of the show. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for coming on, Tommy. Great night. Bye. Bye-bye. You got it. Tommy White, 872 Laborers. No stadium without the 872 Laborers building it safely and on time. Brad Spielberger, kind enough to join us. Really appreciate him coming in from Pro Football Focus. Brad, let's go back to the game last night as the Raiders won at home on Monday Night Football. What did you see with Lamar Jackson, especially fumbling the ball in critical spots more than one time, uncharacteristically?
5: Yeah, no question about it. That that Raiders defensive front led by Max Crosby and, and with the free agent addition, Yannick Ngakwe coming off the edge made Lamar Jackson uncomfortable all night long, and not only getting after the quarterback, getting pressures on him in passing situations, but I think that they also did a great job of when the play broke down, when the play collapsed, except for a couple times where he did get loose, which is going to happen every week. But for the most part, they kept him in front of them. The linebackers did well. Nick Kwiatkowski had a good game, and they just made sure Lamar couldn't get those huge chunk plays I thought they looked great, and they made Lamar uncomfortable
1: the entire night. Uh, The entire AFC West won. I thought that Cleveland had Kansas City on the ropes. Denver had the Giants. You know The Giants aren't very good, and Teddy Bridgewater played well in that game. And then the Chargers, if Washington doesn't fumble the ball inside their own 20-yard line, I think they get a good drive left. They could have beat L.A., the Washington football team, Uh, handicap the AFC West. They're all undefeated after week one.
5: Yeah, you know, we knew coming in it was going to be a very strong division. If anything, the Raiders were kind of looked at as potentially being, the, you know, the weakest team in that division. The Chiefs are, are, are the class of the NFL, the top of the AFC, the top of the NFL. They remain there. Um, you know, I think the Chargers, you mentioned the fumble from Washington, yes. They also had, I think, the worst officiating call of the week. Mm-hmm. When Justin Herbert uh, got hit on the Elmer as he was throwing. I thought it was obviously a throw. They rolled a fumble out of the end zone for a touchback. So, touch and go game there. Um, you know, it could have gone either way, but I think they earned that that win. And, and you know, across the country, against a good Washington defense, and their offensive line was our worst offensive line in the NFL by PFF last year. They looked phenomenal yesterday. They give up the fewest, pre- lowest pressure percentage of any team in the NFL, and they were playing against a formidable Washington football team defensive front. So they're definitely in the mix there. I would put them and Denver and Las Vegas all in a competition for second. I, I am comfortable saying. The rest of those teams need to let it shake out. Kansas City, they're chasing Kansas City, all of them, and until we see more, I think they're all in a deadlock for second place.
1: Brad Spielberger is our guest, pro football focus, also a contributor for OverTheCap.com. So with when you look at the tape of Aaron Rodgers' performance, I really think we need to be critical of his energy level. This, he mentioned there was a little San Diego mixed in from a couple of years ago, or Chargers, as he said, and... He's got some problems in some warm weather games. They looked awful in San Francisco a couple of years ago. I'm just wondering, where was his energy? He looked so lackadaisical to me. No energy. His body language is awful. And on top of that, statistically, he had his worst game. Yeah, he
5: did not look good in any facet of football, You know, both on and off the field. I also noticed he, he was sitting alone for a large portions of the game on the bench. You don't want to read too much into this stuff and create these narratives, but Generally, they show him in the sidelines. He's got the iPad out. He's studying with Matt LaFleur, the head coach, or him and Devontae Adams, or Aaron Jones, the running back, are going over things. Yesterday, or excuse me, Sunday, uh, we saw a lot of him just sitting alone, kind of in, in a bad mood, pouting on the sideline. Yeah, I mean, they did not look good at all. The offensive line on the interior really struggled all day long, so he had pressure in his face all afternoon from New Orleans and just did not seem to handle it well at all. But for New Orleans, missing a bunch of guys, missing their best interior defensive lineman, David Onyemata, with the suspension. They're missing cornerbacks, and their top cornerback, Marshawn Lattimore, got hurt in the middle of the game. And they still dominated them in the trenches and just all over the field yesterday. Rodgers was unimpressive, you know, as he's ever been.
1: Rod Spielberger is our guest. You know, blown opportunity for Minnesota at Cincinnati to win that game and be on top of the North early as everyone lost, including them. Are the Wolves at the door for Kirk Cousins and Zimmer here? What's going on in Minnesota there? Because th- that fan base, some of my some of my friends are Viking fans. They're checked out already. They're like, you kidding me? Everybody lost, and we lost to Cincinnati. Where do the Vikings stand on film?
5: Yeah, it's definitely tougher when you add in the fact, like you said, that the rest of the NFC North all lose their game. So Minnesota could have been ahead of the division right away in week one. Instead, they kind of you know, blow it in overtime and lose to a Bengals team. It's not a bad team, but a team they were favored to beat uh, and can't get the job done. You have to be kind of you know, questioning what's going on there. They, they, they bring a bunch of veteran free agents in the offseason, kind of signaling there. I wouldn't say going all in, but they, they see this as a year where they have to be competitive, probably have to make the playoffs. Uh, you, know, you bring in Patrick Peterson and Bashad Breeland to start a cornerback. You bring in a bunch of you know, defensive linemen trying to revitalize that Mike Zimmer defense and right out of the gate, you know, not a good result. If they lose a couple more games early in the season, I think it's going to be tough for them to get back on track, and I do think you can keep an eye on Mike Zimmer, potentially kind of wearing out his welcome in Minnesota. Been there a long time, been very successful, but sticks to this, you know, run-first and, and defense-oriented team that just has shown time and time again is never really a true contender, just kind of mm-hmm. lifts into the playoffs with 9 or 10 wins, and I think that it's fair to wonder, you know, if things go south, If his time there is up, is
1: up. Brad Spielberg, as we wrap it up, pro football focus. I think the Niners have problems with injuries. Two big ones here, and Detroit came storming back in that game. But the Niners won to be 1-0 out of the gate. I thought the Rams looked really good. Kyler Murray in Arizona were fantastic, along with Russell Wilson, the NFC West. Tell me what you're thinking.
5: Yep, on the opposite of the spectrum, the NFC West goes undefeated, and all of them look phenomenal. You did mention two big injuries in San Francisco. One in particular, cornerback Jason Barrett, their number one corner. Seriously, really unfortunate for this guy. I think he's his third ACL tear now. He's battled his entire career. He took a one year deal because he wanted to get a bigger deal and didn't really get it in free agency, wanted to bet on himself again. And, unfortunately, now we lost for the season. And, of course, running back Raheem Mostert, a really good player, speedy as they come out for the season as well. But I think they'll be able to, the the backfield, they they drafted Trey Sermon early this year. They'll be able to get back on track there. Seattle looks great. I think Shane Waldron, new offensive coordinator in Seattle, is already gelling early with Russell uh, Russell Wilson, (laughs) getting the ball out really early, really quickly, getting it to playmakers in space. Tyler Lockett made some great plays. DK Metcalf was quiet early in the game but came on at the end of the game. And the Rams, I think that Matthew Stafford trade looks great right away. I mean, the Bears defense is not super talented in the secondary, but they got absolutely carved up. Every play was a huge chunk of play. They were averaging almost nine yards per play, which is very high. Um, that team is legitimate on both sides of the ball. They're loaded at a lot of roster spots, a Ton of wide receivers on that team, and they are a serious contender in the NFC.
1: Who's a bigger sleeper team, Brad? Is it Philadelphia or Carolina in the NFC?
5: It's a great question. I'm gonna go with Philadelphia for a simple reason, kind of an old adage, but you know, a lot of people just to say that football can be won and lost in the trenches, and I do think I believe in that moniker to an extent. And Philadelphia, under the radar, is very, very talented on both sides of the ball in the trenches. The offensive line lost two of their best players last year. Right tackle Lane Johnson, maybe the best right tackle in football. Right guard Brandon Brooks, one of the best right guards in football. Both of them lost from almost the entire season last year. You get them back. They both look good. Left tackle Jordan Mailata started the end of the season last year. I don't know if you saw, but right before the game kicked off, he signed a big money extension. There are reports coming out that he was the best player in Eagles camp. So if that offensive line plays as well as they did back in you know 2017, 2018, and then on the defensive side of the ball, Fletcher Cox, phenomenal defensive tackle, Javon Hargrove coming over from the Steelers in free agency, looked outstanding yesterday as well. They're a real team where if Jalen Hurts looks good and plays well and Devontae Smith, their first-round rookie receiver out of Alabama, plays well right away, they're so good on the inside that if things just go well enough on the outside, they can can win a lot of games.
1: One more thing I think is a big storyline. If Mac Jones does not beat the Jets at the Jets, Jets' home opener, they're going 0-4. Because if they can't beat the Jets, they're going to lose to New Orleans and Tampa Bay before they play Houston. And I thought that Cam Newton would start these first four games, and then they bring in Mac Jones at Houston to get him going and make the quarterback change. So how important are these next couple of games for Mac Jones and New England so they don't get buried in the schedule?
5: It's a great point, 100% a great point, and I was with you. I had that pegged as when they would transition to Cam Newton, to Mac Jones. You know, I think even with the loss, though, he made a lot of good throws, looked smart, looked poised in the pocket. They obviously could have won that game without the fumble from Damian Harris. They were already in field goal range or close to it at that point. So we could be having a different conversation about how Mac Jones, the rookie, up against a good Miami Dolphins defense, pulled out a win late. Yes, they lost, but I agree with you. you got to beat the Jets, go from there. You know, Saints and Buccaneers, two very difficult opponents. You don't want to get in a massive hole right away. But I think the takeaway you have is more just the fact that Mac Jones continues to look like he did in college. Mm -hmm. He's poised, he's smart, he's confident. The game does not seem to move too fast for him at all. And they have a really good offensive line. The receivers will come along. I think he still needs to gel with all the receivers, all the tight ends. Look, none of those guys were there last year. I mean, he's new, but the whole receiving core is new as well. So let them gel, let them get a little bit better. I think they will still be a team that could be in the thick of it for a wild card in the AFC. That is a good point about that 0-4 hole potentially.
1: You know, and finally, I think I say this every year, it's time to panic at 0-2. If you start off 0-2, Emmett Smith held out and won a Super Bowl, but 0-2 is a hole. And then 0-2 can become 1-3, so I start to look at that next week. And I always believe that there are more injuries than I think in Week 1 and Week 2. You guys do a great job analyzing every play, every single play you break down, are you sensing that there's a lot more injuries this week one? Can you tie it to lack of preparation and preseason games played, or am I making too much out of this? You know, I think in last
5: year was even worse, actually, because there was no training camp and, and basically no off season. So a lot of guys are coming in against cold, getting a lot of these soft tissue injuries, you know, ligaments, stuff like that. I, it, I'm with you. I don't have the numbers in front of me, I'll be honest, but I do feel as though I have the same sense that I'm seeing a lot of injuries, a lot of guys going on IR. Um, you know, big names: Jerry Judy, the Broncos wide receiver. A lot of big name players: uh, Michael Gallup, the wide receiver in Dallas. It was good on the list. I, I kind of am with you. I think there are more. Um, as to the whole, you know, the early season hole last year, all eight division winners won in week one, and they went seven and one against the spread in week one. So they came out strong right out of the gate. Um, that 0 and two hole is real. Your playoff odds dropped drastically if you start 0 two. Of course, it's our first season playing 17 games, so I guess things will be a little bit different. Um, but it's definitely something to watch. Good teams get off to good starts and continue and build on that momentum. So some teams that, that lost this week need to make sure they win next week.
1: Fantastic, Brad. We'll do it again. Thanks a lot for coming on. Appreciate your time. Yeah, of course. Sounds great. Thank you. You, you got it. Brad Spielberger joining us from Pro Football Focus. And I believe we're seeing injuries looking at Ian Rappaport earlier today going through some of the injuries and and players going on IR. The Broncos place wide receiver Jerry Judy and cornerback Ronald Darby on injured reserve. Both Judy and Darby will return this season. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick on the injured reserve, injured list, which is a big deal for them. What what bad luck he's had throughout his career. Raheem Moser, gone for the season. He put that out on his own social media. It is tough. It is very tough to see players lose their entire season in week one. I mean, look at this. Marshawn Lattimore, the Pro Bowl cornerback of the Saints, having surgery to repair a chip bone in his thumb. It's an injury he has, and we'll see what happens with him coming back. That's not a season-ending injury. So there are injuries all the time. We talked about Gerald McCoy. Gerald McCoy of the Raiders and his knee. Waiting for a bigger status on that coming up. Injuries hurt. And one more thing. The Buffalo Bills ownership has announced a new policy that will require all fans to be vaccinated to attend games. At both Highmark Stadium, home of the Bills, and Key Bank, center home of the Buffalo Sabres this season. Mark Davis went first. We told you other teams would do it. Pagula Sports and Entertainment, along with Erie County, announced earlier today... That beginning with September 26th against the Washington football team, all fans age 12 and up must receive at least one COVID vaccine in order to attend the game. That rule will expand, requiring all attendees over the age requirement to be fully vaccinated, starting with the October 31st game with the Dolphins against the Dolphins. I believe that if you fill up a stadium, college or pro, with unvaccinated people, COVID will spread like wildfire. That is fact, not fiction. Don't listen to the idiots who got everything wrong with COVID from day one and are celebrating, look at all these fans, it's amazing. Most of them are vaccinated, okay? 71.8% of adults, adults, are vaccinated in America. If you're not, you're in the minority. So everybody else who's getting vaccinated are going to games. Those who are not vaccinated are being called out. Don't come, don't come, and we're going to make you get vaccinated. I think that is great. And if you don't want to be vaccinated, if you're one of the few left standing that don't want to help this pandemic, don't want to be vaccinated, want to go about your own way, get your own research, do your own research, and none of you do any research. None of you do any research. You just don't want to do it. You don't want to do it. And that's okay because you're either someone who really doesn't want to do it because you have political beliefs that are triggered or political beliefs that you won't evolve with which is okay you have religious beliefs or you have a prior ailment which i respect and you can't be vaccinated which is a tiny minority everyone else who's wasting their bleeping time won't do it won't help out won't do it you're out you're out and then when we we can't crush the pandemic as john gruden says if everybody doesn't get vaccinated we can't do it. We have to go from 71% to 88 to 90%. And then the numbers will start crashing, crashing down. And then the other people, well, no, they won't. The vaccines don't work. We, we deal with those numbskulls. It works. I know people who are on ventilators right now who refuse to get vaccinated. I know people that are severely ill and still won't get vaccinated because they want to die on this hill. Because it's more important to them to be politically triggered like a lunatic than to help their health or help others and not spread it to others. Pro football is changing their policy until the pandemic is gone. The pandemic isn't gone. It's not going to end anytime soon. We need full cooperation. And if you're not going to be cooperated, please stay away. And let the other ones who are go have fun and do everything else there. Because I was in a casino last night with people wearing masks under their chin and people not following any rules, and you know who they are. And and it's those are the people who are coming into these environments where people are vaccinated and doing their job, and they're in there hammered, partying, and they don't give a crap about anybody else. That's in Vegas where I live, because I live in a place where people treat this town like a hotel room, come and go whenever they want, and do whatever they want to do because they feel entitled. The world don't work that way anymore. 702 365 9200. Raiders win. I'll get off my soapbox and we'll come back and wrap it up and take your phone calls late. What a great victory. Tomorrow I'm back. We'll be in the Raider building this week interviewing John Gruden. I did not sound happy. That wasn't a John Gruden rah rah press conference. I think he came into that press conference getting an update from the training room, and it's not good. And that's been a theme for the Raiders for quite some time. These trainers worked their butt its butts off to keep these guys healthy. Hopefully they're getting healthier, as we're brought to you by Modelo. I love Modelo beer.
0: Well, everybody knows what I think. That's why I came back to coach. There's nothing like it. And I just think uh, this stadium... I think the people that were here tonight will probably go home feeling like they had a pretty good time. I just, I just thought it was really a great scene. A lot of black, a lot of noise, a lot of devoted, committed fans that, uh, that I just love and cherish.
1: John Gruden, and if the Raiders would have lost that game, they didn't. They would have been 2-7 and seven at home. 2-7 and seven coming off another dramatic loss. Remember, if they lose that game in overtime, Lamar Jackson sets up a Tucker game-winning field goal. That would have been a collapse by the Raiders of epic proportion. They didn't collapse. They ended up winning the game because of Carl Nassib and that defensive front and the pressure that they put on Lamar Jackson, which is tremendous, absolutely tremendous. Now we're going to take a look going into this game of the health of the team and who's coming back. If McCoy's out, if we end up talking about a long period of time of other players being out, like Clee Farrell's going to have to play. I mean, if he was a scratch, they didn't play him. Damon Arnett is a no-show. Those guys are going to have to play if guys are getting hurt. And they better have a good attitude, which I think they will, and play their ass off, which I believe they will. They're professional football players. Okay, this isn't high school in JV where if you get benched, you get all upset and you take a day off from school and your mom says you could stay home. This is, the, this is pro football. If you don't play well, live with it, look at the tape, and play better in the next game. And we'll see how that plays out. I'm going to look at the tape to see how Casey Hayward played. To see about Jonathan Abram, thought made a bunch of good plays. I thought K.J. Wright disappeared for a lot of that game but made a big play on a fourth down, and I think he'll get better. Uh, Corey Littleton, I don't know. I, I have to look closer. I thought Kwiatkowski played good at tackling near the line of scrimmage. That one play with Sammy Watkins where he was isolated, he got beat. What a throw by Lamar Jackson. But the physicality of the Raiders were key. The physicality was key. So this is our reaction after the game. Next Sunday, we play Pittsburgh. I'm off that Monday because I'm emceeing Jonathan Ogden's charity golf tournament here in town, which is a big deal where I can help out in the community, and I look forward to doing that. Everybody have a great day on this lineup. This is a celebration on a Tuesday. Not many Monday night games. Raiders play Monday night against the Chargers in a couple of weeks. Hopefully the Raiders get the same result. Thanks to Bobby who put the show together, our guest, and Brad Spielberger, Eddie Pascal, Mark Chinook. It's a fun show. This was a show to celebrate and to kind of give me a little extra pep in my step here on a victory. Fire it up, man. Have a great day in the Raider Nation. Raiders,
0: Raiders, Raiders. Have a good night, everybody. All right. Take care.